RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Now, my team here at RCR, who helped put the, well, in fact, they put the entire show together, actually, I'm just the tip of the spear, came across Melinda Richards' interview with Andrew Bolt on Sky News recently. And she was talking about her book, her first book, and the title of the book is You Can't Say That. Ears are pricking up already, I can tell. The Demise of Free Thought in Australia. So we thought it would be really cool to get Melinda on, uh, beaming in from Australia, to talk about this book. You can't say that. How many times have you thought that when you've said something? And you've thought, that's right, I can't say that anymore. Anyway, Melinda Richards beams in. From whereabouts in Australia, Melinda? Where where exactly are you? Well, I'm uh, in the sunny Gold Coast. So, yes, I live near the beach, so I'm a very lucky person. <laughs> what's, what's your background first? Uh, I see social commentator, now author. Um, you've... Um, graduated from university, being involved in ASX-listed companies. So what do you bring to bear um, as uh, the author of this book? Well, it's the funny thing is it's probably my ordinary life and just the fact that I am just a, a, have been a relatively ordinary citizen with a, a fairly a good career, but you know, it's uh, not outstanding. It's just been solid. It's been very good to me. I, I have done things around market research, corporate planning, strategic planning for big companies. I mean, I've, I've done a lot of work in small businesses and, you know, I run businesses now. Um, I love small business and I love um, the whole idea of small to medium-sized businesses making their way with entrepreneurs and people having great ideas and being able to make a living out of it. So, you know, I'm not anyone special. And I think that's probably the point. The point is, is that, you know, a lot of people like me who are conservatives who have worked hard out of the government, you know, we're the sort of silent majority and the type of people that have been basically suppressed. Our ex-Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, called us the quiet Australians, but uh, that is now starting to change. And one of the reasons why I started writing the book is because I did not like the way that my freedom of speech and those of my friends and colleagues was being suppressed. So I think it's um, really targeted towards conservatives to the centre-right and people are being targeted from it, you know, the right wing is absolutely being slayed in the aisle at the moment. And I think that we now have to stand up and get some balance back. I think that's absolutely critical. Okay. So it takes a bit of time to prepare for and write a book. So um, when did you see this coming? Or when was the feeling that I should, I need to say something about this sort of come upon you? It was actually in 2018. I saw something absolutely preposterous on TV. I think it was sitting in the background. I, I'm, I'm not sure the exact moment, but I'm pretty sure it was when the grid girls got cancelled from the Formula One. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, how did we get here? How, how did we get to a spot in our history that we can't celebrate beautiful women, that we can't look at beautiful women. Who's angry about women being beautiful these days? And I started asking questions about who's offended and why are people getting so offended and who's outraged? And so these questions, I think, needed answering. And I started to pen a few ideas for a couple of years, but just part-time in the background because I felt that there was, there was something in this 
that needed to be said and we needed to come back out and publicly say, do you know what? No, political correctness is now suppressing our freedom of speech and it's suppressing people's creativity, their jobs and their ideas. Now, that was, as I said, five years ago. I put pens down in 2020 because <laughs> for obvious reasons. And then yep. the outrage, the outrage really kicked in for me. So I spent really 2021 and 2022 finishing the book, rewriting it. And I was a lot more motivated. Uh, I was fairly angry and very, very dismayed about the terrible turn that society had taken with the tyranny going on, not just in Australia, but of course in New Zealand. I mean, Jacinda Ardern. My God. And also in Canada and across the world. So that was the real key motivation. It's if it is as if that our Western civilization, which was so, I guess, hard won and generations fought for and freedom was fought for, and of course we revere that. I mean, we can relate to that with Anzac Day and everything, can you know fall over so easily. Well, it was astounding. To be honest, I didn't, um, I I mean, bearing in mind that in 2020 I was at where everybody else was at. So I was a real rebel and a nonconformist and I went to freedom rallies. I did not conform. I did not wear a mask because, you know, I felt it was just illogical and ridiculous and they kept lying about things and moving the narrative. So for me it was a real trust issue and they were just treating people like idiots. But I didn't start out that way. I started in the same place that everyone else started. So for me to go on that journey very, very quickly, it only took me a couple of days before I realised what had happened. It wasn't hard for me to find that information. I mean, before that, I was with everyone else. Oh, my God, what is this thing? Is this deadly? I mean, you know, maybe we should lock down for a couple of days or a couple of weeks. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that's where I started because I'd had a boozy weekend at Byron Bay before we got locked down in Australia. I was not paying attention at all. I'm actually quite ashamed to admit that, how much, how little attention I was paying. But it only took me a couple of days and I realised exactly Uh, what was going on, and how is it that I could pick it up so quickly and easily and yet the rest of the world was just brainwashed pretty much overnight? You're not not the only one who who wonders that, um, I'm telling you, Melinda, because most of our audience um, struggle with that question too. You know, after this long, you've thought about it, how can you... Is there any answer to that, do you think? I mean, is it mass formation psychosis, mass hypnotised sort of state? Um, Yeah. Any ideas? I I do think think it's a combination of a few things. Um, The first one is fear, and that's the main one. And there's two types of fear, though. There was was probably about 20%, 25% of the population that were actually genuinely afraid and genuinely believed what the media were telling them, that if you get this thing, you're going to die. That's what they told everyone right out of the gate, which was a lie because it only took me a day to find out what the actual recovery rates were, and they were very, very high. But it was the fear of that. But the second type of fear, and I think that we can't dismiss this, and I think this was even more powerful, was the fear of being ostracised, shamed and exiled from the rest of the community, The, the fear of not conforming and not um, doing what everyone else was doing and be seen to be a good citizen, be seen to be, you know, oh, I'm, I really care about my fellow man, so I'm going to do the right thing. And, look, I'm going to put it on Facebook and I'm going to put yes. it on my Instagram account. And the, 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 
the, the human fear of being a, a, apart from the herd and apart from the flock was probably the main fear driver, I think. And, I mean, that's the only thing I can really come up with, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wonder if that would have been possible to instill that at the scale it was with, with without social media because you made a very good point that the virtue was expressed pretty well that way. You know, people could personally show that uh, they're doing the right things and sort of display to the uh, wider world that uh, they're conforming, that they're part of the herd, right? But if you you didn't have that outlet, maybe the incentive wouldn't have been so strong to be so obviously virtuous. I don't know. I think that's a really good point. I think, you know, I always ask people, you know, close your eyes and go back 40 years ago. We'll go back to 1981, let's just say. So let's go back to 1981 and ask yourself, could this have happened so quickly and so effectively back in 1981. Now, it may have taken a little bit longer. It may have actually happened because I think human nature has stayed the same over history, but I don't think it would have happened as quickly and I think there would have at least in Australia been a lot of people who would have at least questioned. The the lack of questioning was also one of the things that I was in complete disbelief about. Why wouldn't you ask some questions? Why would you just lock yourself away and not come out and ask questions. I asked a lot of questions. I found the answers very quickly and realised within probably two days that the whole thing was a farce. Now, why wouldn't everyone do that? How can you justify locking yourself away, throwing away your business, throwing away your life, throwing away your school, you know, your kids' education and your university education? How can you justify doing that without knowing some answers to some pretty basic questions around what is COVID? How, you know, if I get it, am I going to die? Is it contagious? What's the real, what's the real reason why they're doing this? What's really going on here? We've never done it for the flu. I've lived, I'm 55. I've lived through nine or 10 of these worldwide viruses, but suddenly we're doing it for this. So these are the things that were really heartbreaking for me that people wouldn't stop for a minute and ask questions. Yeah, but uh, uh, I'm sure you saw the same thing as we saw here, that if you did ask questions and you tried to sort of flag those questions and automatically you get, well, you know, you're going down a rabbit hole. <laughs> and, well, that's right. And you're yeah. not allowed to almost find out. And, and, I mean, they'd sit there with their fingers in their ears going la, 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 rather than hear what you had to say. Yes, that's right. I mean, you had 80 to 90% of people who weren't asking any questions. And then, of course, you had the 10 to 15% who were asking questions quickly getting cancelled. And that includes doctors, virologists, epidemiologists, scientists. You had people who were lawyers, people who were in the patent office trying to tell people, well, hold on a minute, this could be about a vaccine because there's been some patents coming through around yeah. vaccines. I mean, everyone in every profession, you know, were trying to come out, a small group of people in every country were trying to come out and go, guys, could we just settle down for a minute? You need to get the other side of the story. You need to hear our opinion on what this really is. And you need to hear our opinion on what will be the health effects of lockdowns. What are the health effects of masking? What is this new jab that they're putting in? Is this really a vaccine? I mean, these are what the experts were saying and they were trying to 
push their message through. And of course, they just got they just got censored. And I said to a few people, the one thing that you should pay attention to is who is getting censored, because then you realise there is definitely something to hide. Yeah, and um, I'm I'm just wondering now because. Uh, spool through to where we are now and we've sort of come through that bit but it's probably more now you're dealing with the voice and the whole question of indigenous oh. rights oh and a God. sort of kind of historical guilt trip that's going yes. down at the moment and your the title of your book is you can't say that mm-hmm. what can't you say at the moment what can't you say well, at the moment, you can't say you're voting no because in Australia, if you can't, if you say you're voting no, you're a racist, and then that's just the bottom line, core part of the yes campaign in this country, is that if you vote no, you're a racist. Now, look, people in Australia, Australians are not racist. I mean, we're not a racist country. Um, most Western countries in this generation, people, it's, we're not a racist country. Now, there are, of course, in every single country all around the world, there are going to be individuals scattered amongst our community that are, yeah, they're racist. They're racist people because that's that's just their mind map. But they've always been there and, and we've always well, known. They've always been there. And they've always been there and they always will be. But to broadly call, you know, 60% of the Australian population now because the Yes campaign is collapsing and we can only hope that it keeps collapsing because they just keep scoring own goals, to be honest with every time they open their mouths. But at the end of the day, for them to come out and it's like saying all Trump supporters are racist, much as people don't want to admit it and they don't like that, it's the truth. And the truth in Australia is that most people are going to vote no and those people broadly are not racist people. But the Yes campaign don't have any detail it's based on a woke narrative and wokeism is poison and the woke narrative is always it doesn't matter what topic you're talking about very very small on the detail and so we're going to try and make a constitutional race-based change in australia with pretty much no idea on what on earth that's going to mean on the ground so people are going to go well particularly after covid we don't trust the government and nor should we. And so we're voting, no, that doesn't make them racist. But you see, at the moment, they're using these sorts of attacks. And I talk about this a lot in my book, the name calling and the shaming and the guilt tripping. That is a foundation of the woke movement. That is their absolute foundation, that hypocrisy and identity politics. Well, it's a real culture war, isn't it? (laughs) It really is. Yeah, well, it's divided Australia. It's awful to watch how Australia is being divided now. It's it's so tragic and sad. I mean, Australia truly was thirty or forty years ago a, a fantastic country, you know. And and up until about fifteen years ago, we we were really we were really firing on all four cylinders. But that unfortunately that is not the case now. And that's another reason why I wrote the book because I do really love my country. I grew up here. I think we used to be one of the best countries in the world and I would love to see Australia, you know, claw back a lot of the things that we've lost. Now, unfortunately, we're going to have to wait till the referendum's over before we can repair the damage of that if we ever do. It's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a lot of commentary and division after that, after the voice. But you see, the the voice is a woke policy. 
And now we're trying to drive wokeism and identity politics and race into our constitution. It's just so bad. Yeah, the um, the yes supporters, because it looks like it's going to be no, are going to be, as they say, butt hurt, right? They really, they really will be. Well, they're going to, you know, you think we're being called names now. Oh my goodness, they, they, you know, you don't the the left, the the far left. And I'm not talking about the the centre left, hardworking people in Australia. They're they're you know absolutely fine. But the hard left, the far left, who I call the woke, the wokies, and the the COVID cultists and the climate extremists. I mean, they're all part. You know, they're they're a very loud and very boisterous part of our society and they have had massive influence in our culture in the last 10 years. And and it's almost been like death by a thousand cuts, but they are going to be on their full fire <laughs> when when the no vote gets up. So uh, look out, here it comes, and we'll bat that back and then hopefully move on as a country. Okay, yeah, we'll be watching with interest, and uh, it coincides um, with our general election, same day, I think, uh, that, that the... Uh, oh, right, and how is New Zealand's general election going to go? Hard hard to know, hard to know. It looks like the, um, I can pretty clearly say that the Labor Party won't be back in, but, you know, who knows what what can happen, Melinda? I mean, nothing's out of the, the crazy anymore, but... It looks like it'll be just a kind of because it's a uniparty thing. There's not much difference between the so-called left and the right, so probably That's not correct, much yeah. change. And you know, the right, the right of centre, or the what you would have called the right of centre in this day and age, seems to be kind of woke as well. You know, so yes. and, and if you're not woke, you're extreme or far right. So and that's Nazi territory yes. for a lot of people. So yeah, I give up. I don't know. It'll be fascinating to see. Um, have you, uh, in speaking out and and publishing a book, and obviously the title, it doesn't leave much to the imagination. You're, you're saying exactly what it is. Have you um, taken any hits or any? Has there been downsides to that um, in your business or and just getting along? Um, you know, in Australia as it is today, or or have you been embraced by, let's say, um, a community that you probably didn't think you were part of before? I don't know. Uh, look, I, I have been um, very much embraced by my ex-followers. So it used to be Twitter. It's now X. I mean, my main social media outlet is X. I do have a following there. I did have that following prior to the book, but the support has been absolutely amazing. A, a lot of people who have already read the book, I mean, people bought it and have already read it and have already started giving me feedback, People have genuinely said that they love it, and that is very humbling for me. And it's it's just so pleasing. I can't I can't even tell you how grateful I feel that people are reading my words and they're loving it, and they are, are wanting to talk to their friends about it. I mean, one of my one of my friends is now setting up a, a wider thought group within her community, and she's saying, "Right, we're actually going to start talking about these issues." And we, you know, I love the book, and I'm going to bring together a bunch of people. We're going to start talking about a little bit of politics. I mean, because no, no one talks about these issues anymore. And then we bob up and look around and go, "Well, how did we get here?" And the reason why we got to the place we got is because no one talks about anything anymore. Because people are afraid. They're afraid to to voice their opinions. And, and I think voicing your opinion in, in your life and in everyone's life, no matter what your opinion is, it's important. 
And no matter who you are, whether you're left wing or right wing, it's important that you feel that you add value and that you should have the ability to say what you feel and what you want to say. And a very large chunk of our society don't feel that way anymore. And that's another reason why I wrote the book, to try and get people a little bit more fearless about speaking out. And so, yes, I have had enormous support for the book so far. And, you know, just looking at the numbers and how it might go with the voice referendum, it's the majority anyway, isn't it? This is the crazy thing. Well, I think so. I think this this idea of the silent majority is probably, for me, holding a little bit more weight now than it did probably five or six years ago. I, I probably didn't agree with that term, silent majority, because I wasn't sure about it. You, we always love to think that you're part of uh, the, the, the way that you think and the way that you see the world is the most logical and it's the most correct. I mean, let's face it, we all have our own mind maps. So I was always worried about thinking, well, everyone must think the way I do because I'm right, because the way that, you know, surely everyone thinks like me. But that that may not be the case. So you have to sort of, you sort of have to make sure that in life you you test and measure your thoughts and feelings all the time with people and that you also give yourself a bit of balance as well in your life. That's why I don't like to block people on X. I have had to block a few absolute vile, crazy people, but I try to not block the people that openly disagree with me because, as I said, whilst you like to think you're part of the majority, you may not be. So I did a lot of research and that's how I got a following. I actually did research for my book on Twitter at the time and I did find that, there is definitely a very strong community out there who are conservative. And uh, now that Elon Musk has taken over X, he has now brought back a lot of those conservatives. And maybe we are the silent majority. And I'm starting to think more and more that that's probably a true statement. Okay, Melinda, if people are interested in getting the book, what's the best way to do that? Well, there's a few places to get my book now, which is fantastic. Uh, The good news is that the book hasn't had wide censorship yet, which is always uh, fantastic. Oh, so is that, of course, that's a possibility, isn't it? Well, I had a lot of people, I've had a lot of people already ask me where it's, you know, how has it been censored? I mean, that was basically the first question. Well, where can I get it? Because, you know, the book's going to be censored. That's just a given. So what do we do about that? And I thought, oh, well, it may not be censored. So, um, But it is available on most online bookstores, good online bookstores, places like Booktopia and Barnes & Noble, Amazon Australia. So there's a lot of really great places to get it. And the the e-books are available as well um, on a few Booktopia is doing the ebooks as well. Um, Barnes and Noble, Walmart's even doing them. Angus and Robinson. So all the really good, the really sort of big worldwide global bookstores are actually um, doing the the shipping, but also the ebooks. But the the another great place to get it, of course, is just my website, melindarichards.com. So just my name and .com. And that way, you know, you can send me a, a personal message if you'd like me to sign the book. Just write that message in and I'll make sure I I can sign the book. And I love people buying it through my website, obviously, because I get to see who's interested and I, I get a lot of really lovely messages and I, I'm really, really enjoying interacting with people. It's just been so much fun. I can't get over it. Yeah, it's been fantastic. Well, that's really cool. And the cool thing also is that you've done something. You haven't just sat there, you know, going, oh, you've actually got out and you've you've done something. 
Well, it's not in my nature to sit by and and look at things happening around me and not try to make a difference. I've always tried to make a difference in my immediate environment and whether it's in my workplace or my my family or my friends, I do try to to make the world a more positive place. I think, you know, how do we know why we're all here? Well, I think we're here to, first of all, make the world a better place for future generations. I think we're the stewards of our freedom. And at the moment, we're doing a really, a really bad job of that, our generation, and we've all got to pick up our socks. And the second thing is that we should die on our and know that we've left the world a better place than whence we arrived. And I think up until this generation, I think most people have done that pretty well because look at where we are as a as a human species. But but I do believe we're going backwards. I don't want to be Nancy negative. But on a positive note, I do think that we are turning the ship around and it's people like yourself and all the amazing people that you interview on your show and it, it's it's gathering the like-minded people together and that's happening a lot faster than it was. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah, what, what do they say about the mother of invention? Necessity is the mother of invention. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Why is it necessary? Yeah, okay. Exactly. I think we're probably at that point now. <laughs> All right, Melinda Richards, uh, um, author of the book, You Can't Say That, The Demise of Free Thought in Australia, but you could probably subtitle that with New Zealand as well. Absolutely, um, yes, the, you which could quite Well, maybe a New Zealand edition, Melinda, we could talk about that. Um, but anyway, Absolutely. thanks for coming on our program and explaining all that, and uh, great job. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.